Hello everyone and welcome to the first episode of the Set Piece Routine podcast. This episode is supported by Cafe Food and Fit, a delivery kitchen in Pune that provides sustainable and healthy food. So go check them out on Swiggy and Zomato, but only after you're done listening to this podcast episode. My guest today is a very dear friend of mine, Natalie Jedra, a correspondent for ESPN Brazil in the United Kingdom. Welcome to the show, Natalie, and thanks for being here and I hope you're doing well. Hey, Sharf. Thank you. Thank you for having me, actually. I'm very happy to have this, the opportunity to, to, to chat a little and to, to know how things are going there and to talk a little bit about uh, football in the Premier League. There are topics that we are very passionate about, right? Definitely. Can you explain to me a bit about what the situation is like right now in the UK and how it's affecting the Premier League and the resuming the resumption of the Premier League? Okay, so just to put into context, I'm in London and uh, I have been living in London for almost four years. And uh, so I've been here since the since everything started and I've been covering the Premier League. This is my fourth season as a correspondent for ESPN Brazil. So um, now they are starting to ease uh, some restrictions and to open up the society so we have more freedom uh, of movement, if you like. So we never had like a lockdown like uh, Spain or Italy did because theirs was, was very restricted. Uh, mm. Here we had the freedom to, to go out once a day to jog or run and to do the essentials like uh, grocery shopping, pharmacies and things like that. And now we have more freedom to, to, to live uh, our our homes uh, whenever we like and to stay outside and to sunbathe and to, to meet one person uh, in a public space. Uh, from Monday, we, we are allowed to, to meet uh, up to six people uh, in public spaces, in squares or parks or open spaces, actually. And uh, uh, the reason why I'm explaining that is to, to point out that football is just, uh, they, they're trying to keep up with that. So it's not like uh, the Premier League decided that they should go back and, and they're forcing this situation. The whole mm-hmm. society is, is going through this uh, reopening. And yes, so it's, it's a process that's going on everywhere. And the Premier League is, is trying to follow government's guidelines. And now we have a date to, for the Premier League to, to go back, 17th of June. Uh, two matches that were rescheduled, Arsenal, Man City and Aston Villa, Sheffield United. Uh, I have to say, Charles, at first I was a bit reluctant that the Premier League was going back uh, in June already because I, I thought uh, that July might be better because mm-hmm. July is the month that um, here in England they will reopen if everything goes, uh, goes well and if uh, the numbers keep dropping. Uh, so they will reopen restaurants, pubs, theaters, cinemas, entertainment in general. And in my initially, I thought, okay, we should wait until July because if it's not uh, safe for like hairdressers to open or to for pubs to open, yeah. not even outside places, why should we go back to football? Right. Uh, but I think we've seen some very good uh, positive uh, examples. I, I think we'll go into that uh, maybe a little bit later. But uh, the fact is the Premier League, they are doing everything possible to make uh, football the safest environment in the UK 
in England especially. So, and I think they're 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 succeeding. It the, the thing about uh, the, pre, the Premier League coming back and we uh, and this discussion about football going back uh, is that it's going uh, stage by stage. It's like small steps, you know, baby steps. Okay, let's agree to this, and then we agree to that, and then we agree to that, and then we get to the point where we schedule a date. 17th of June uh, for the Premier League to go back and the, the other leagues in Europe are following that so I think they're doing a good job for now you know I, I'm almost yeah. afraid to do to, to say that but I think <laughs> they're doing a pretty good job uh, in keeping this uh, extremely safe you know yeah. for players and for everyone who, who's involved. So uh, I mean as you said you're kind of almost afraid to say it and I am as well, right? Because this is once in a century kind of pandemic that we have. Yeah. On our, and it's nothing, almost nothing, almost like nothing the Premier League has ever experienced before. So, and I know they're following guidelines and there's a lot of rules in place and they've now started uh, close con- like close contact training. But the concern mm-hmm. I have now is the Premier League are saying that they're now going to push all those fixtures into two months. Mm-hmm. And they want to end it by August the 2nd, which, I mean, first of all, you're starting something that has a lot of close contact, right? It's sport. Yeah. It's an event. And you mentioned yourself that pe- there's a limit to people meeting in public spaces, right? You can meet up to mm-hmm. six people in public spaces. So how exactly does football fall into that category? I mean, I know it's a controlled environment, but you can't really stop a virus, can you? Yes, but I think... And, and now it's more of a personal statement because I what I've been noticing is that people are getting to that stage where they are more aware that the virus isn't going anywhere. We don't have a vaccine and we need to learn how to live with it. Okay. So in in case in, in, in case of football, talking about football, um, they are trying to provide the safest environment possible. Like it's safer to go to training at Arsenal than to go to the supermarket for sure. I'm absolutely positive <laughs> about this. So and I appreciate the effort because uh, football is. Uh, an important part of the economy is an important part of people's lives and I think uh, if we should all make the effort of trying to get our lives back to and I quote uh, yes the the new normal that's the expression that everybody uses so uh, if we should go back to if if we should go to this new normal I think I appreciate the effort you know they are uh, studying and they are talking to players and I've spoken to a few players I've interviewed a few players in the in the past few weeks Brazilian players and what I feel from them uh, ever since Ever since the lockdown started and then when phase one started, non-contact training and now with contact training, is that uh, they really trust the club. Uh, The club, they are having lots of conversations with the players and the Premier League as well because in at first the the process was all wrong because they were discussing money, they were discussing broadcasting uh, revenues and they weren't talking to the players. Like, mm-hmm. what is safe for you guys? How do you feel comfortable? And now they've opened this channel. And I think players are feeling more comfortable with this. So uh, I've spoken to Fred from Manchester United after training resumed. And recently I've spoken to Gomez, goalkeeper from Watford, who's been at the Premier League since 2008. So he really knows the league well. And uh 
what I felt was that they are first happy to go back because it's their environment. They, they, they love what they do. So they are excited to be back and they are hoping that everything uh, goes really well and uh, that they really trust the club. They, they always said that actually Gomez uh, told me something that, that I, I found very curious that Watford, they even offer uh, the players the possibility of doing grocery shopping for them. So wow. every two days they go to the supermarket for the players, uh, some uh, people who work at Watford, they go to the supermarket for the players and they buy their groceries. So they don't even have to go grocery shopping, uh, the players or their families or their households. So wow. this is the level of care that we are talking about, you know, and, and they're, they're very uh, determined Strict, yeah. to get this right. Yes. So it's a lot of small details and everything's been discussed with the managers and with the players and with directors and with the Premier League. And I think above it all, uh, the Premier League is the last one in this whole story, in this whole scenario, who wants something to go wrong. So I think they will do absolutely everything for things to go right. Because if something goes wrong, if they put their players in jeopardy, if they put people from football uh, in danger, that's bad for the league. That's bad for their image. So I think that that is one of the main reasons. Of course, there's the the financial issue and the the money that they would have to go back. They they would have to um, uh, give to give give back to the to the clubs. But I think that we know how the Premier League is concerned about their image, and it would be very bad for them. And uh, I really think that they are very very much concerned. Uh, in yeah. providing everything that's necessary for football to to come back and come back in a safe way, everybody's always watching the Premier League, so so it's it's huge for them. Right. No, I understand completely that it's a huge effort on the Premier League's part to help resume play and help the league get back to normal, or what is as you would say the new normal. But I mean, and as you mentioned, the players, right? You spoke to yeah. Gomez and Fred, and they're really keen on rejoining training and rejoining their clubs and starting to play again in their natural environment or their place of work, which is great and which is acceptable. But then you see something like the abuse or uh, the abuse and the threats that were hurled at Troy Deeney. Mm-hmm, yeah. And which is just sad because he... Yeah, it's awful. It's been mentioned that he has a, he has a child that has respiratory issues. Mm-hmm. And people still are saying that... Oh, I, I mean, there have been weird comments like or suggestions that oh you know what he could just rent a different place and just stay alone and that's not going to help anything right and it should be within it should be a player's prerogative to decide whether he feels safe or not it's not for fans or for us sitting not playing in the stadiums and us sitting at home to decide whether it's safe for him to go out and risk it all Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think unfortunately, uh, in any circumstances, we would have uh, hostility from from people because, like, because there's always an idiot. Sorry to, to say that so clearly, but but that's the that's the truth. That's the sad truth, you know. And uh, but in officially, uh, in the meetings that the Premier League held with the players, they always made very clear that it's the player's choice to play or not to play. And they gave, and the clubs as well, they gave this freedom of choice to the players. And and that's what I heard from the clubs and from the players as well. 
that this is very clear for everyone. Nobody's feeling forced to go. And I think Conte is even a bigger example because uh, he went to training. He didn't feel comfortable. He said he wouldn't go anymore. And now he's uh, training at Chelsea, but he's training by himself. He's not uh, mingling with uh, the other players. And everybody respects that, not only because it's Conte and he's like the loveliest person in the world, <laughs> but because uh, it's one's choice and everybody has their own personal history. You mentioned Troy Dini with his son. Uh, yeah. Conte had uh, a brother who had a heart attack yeah. and he passed out once in training. So they, they all have their own fears. And, yeah. But regarding the, their work environment and the, their conversations with the Premier League and their conversations with the club, I think it's clear that they can opt out. They can't say okay. that they don't feel comfortable. And, but most of them, they, they are really, again, trusting their clubs and, and they're happy to be back. Uh, when, I, when I say that, it, I almost uh, I feel a bit uh, suspicious on yeah. celebrating that the Premier League will be back is because <laughs> you never know. Because as, as you mentioned, Sharf, it's, it's a whole new scenario. We've, we've never been through this. Uh, sports recently in the, the, in the past decades, they, they didn't have to face anything uh, similar to that. So we are all learning. And it's, it's very weird because we love the Premier League. We miss the matches. And I feel kind of bad in celebrating 100%. Woohoo! Premier League's back! <laughs> Everybody wants the Premier League to be back. But above <laughs> it all, I think we all want... Uh, safe. Yes, exactly. We, we want a safe environment and we want athletes and everyone who's involved in football uh, to be safe. So, so that's why I'm, I'm really hoping that things go well for the Premier League as they are going uh, for the Bundesliga, for example. Right. Yeah, so the Bundesliga is an, a phenomenal example for what the leagues, other leagues across Europe could follow because they've kind of turned it into a success and they were the first ones to even think of reopening and playing games again and closed doors and everything like that. And it also brings me to the financial point of it or the financial aspect of it, which is broadcasting rights and TV revenues. Mm-hmm. And Sky recently uh, released a statement saying that they would be airing a few games, around 20 games, I think, of the remaining... Uh, yeah, games. 25. Yeah, 20, free to air. To air, yeah. which, which is great, right? That's great news. Yeah. And in, uh, in a situation like this, it's really admirable that they're willing to do that. But... Uh, what would the situation have been like if, let's say, the league season would have been cancelled? What would have been the issues or the problems arising out of it for broadcasters? Oh, it's mainly financial because they would have to give back to to the the broadcasters almost one billion pounds. Right. It's a lot of money that they would uh, that they would lose. And mm-hmm. if you uh, if you think about the 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 big six of course they can cope with this but if you think about uh, smaller clubs or clubs that were recently promoted or like or or even clubs that have been in the premier league for a while but they are not financially like big like like burnley like burnley Burnley, just for example because they have a a very successful uh management model but they they don't have all this money you know to spend and that would really harm the league and that would really harm these smaller clubs and Mm -hmm. you mentioned the calendar uh that it's 
two months is is something to be concerned about because we will have players uh, injured because injured. of that, for sure. But uh, at the same time, they don't want to jeopardize too much the, the, next season. the next season. And then you think, okay, get rid of the Carabao Cup, get rid of the replays <laughs> in the FA Cup. But we have to look at the pyramid. We have to look at the broader picture because uh, for smaller right. clubs, for League One, League Two clubs, it these matters. are very, yes, it, it matters a lot and it matters financially. It matters for their existence and for their survival, you know. So right. it's, it's easy for us to scrap things. Uh, but in the end, it, it all comes uh, mainly to financial reasons. So mm -hmm. if the Premier League weren't, uh, if the, the Premier League was voided, mm -hmm. it would be terrible for the fans and it would, it would be terrible for the clubs because, God, I, I can't even imagine what would happen to, to a few clubs, especially in the lower, like... The lower, lower divisions plus the yeah. lower. not only the lower divisions because the lower divisions they don't get that much money from from broadcast uh, but from for smaller clubs it, it would really harm them and, and it would really destroy the, the the possibility of the Premier League helping the lower leagues because they would have their own issues to to deal with so so yeah it would be a huge huge problem and so you mentioned players getting in possibility of players getting injured in these two months because of the heavy strain and the heavy and large number of games mm -hmm. that they play. But I, but they want to finish it by August the second, which would have been two weeks before the new season starts in an ideal or in the regular uh, season, right? Mid-August is when the new season would have started. So what happens to the next season now, and what happens to the international calendar for the next season? Yeah, we don't have an official position about it, but we have some things that have been published, like uh, that the Premier League would start, the next season uh, would start only in September, so mm -hmm. the clubs would have a little bit more time to, to prepare. And let's not forget that UEFA is doing a huge effort to, to finish their competitions, and that would happen in August. So right. it, it wouldn't be a problem for most of the Premier League clubs, but it can be a problem for Man City, for Man United, for mm -hmm. Wolves, for example. So, right. so yeah, the calendar is a bit of a blur right now. I think the first big step was uh, was the date, was uh, 17th of June. June After yeah. this, uh, I think we just have to wait to see because I think they're almost afraid of mm -hmm. uh, putting a, a date for the next season, next season because we don't know how this season will go on. We don't know if they're going to get to the end. We hope that they will get to the end. It's But it's a lot of matches, 92 matches, nine rounds to play. Uh, okay. A lot can happen in one month and a half. We've learned this from this virus, that things change. They, they change really quickly. So we have to be aware of that. But I think that they will manage to... I'm, I'm, I'm very... I'm not sure about international dates because we usually had uh, four international dates uh, between September and March. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how this will work. I'm not sure, mm -hmm. uh, especially because uh, national teams, they, they would need to travel uh, right. to, to play matches. And we're not Which sure. Question right yes, now. How, how, yes. Yeah, exactly. And we don't know uh, how that could happen in September, October or November. So, so maybe they can get an advantage of uh, the, the leagues can can get some advantage from this, 
from the the internationals because we don't know if they are going to use these dates. So next season is like a big question mark, but they are trying to restart the Premier League early September, which is already a change because pre the Premier League is always the first one to go back and it's always mid-August and right. now they're talking about September. So I think they're going to have to squeeze in a, a few things, but I, I find really, really hard to believe that they would uh, scrap Carabao Cup for one season or they would get rid of the replays in the FA Cup. The, the, the replays in the FA Cup, maybe, but I, I don't know. The FA Cup here in England, it's so traditional. People really care about it. And and it's an important uh, competition. So I think we're just going to have to wait. I, I, can, I can stay here and talk about an hour just trying to guess what's going to happen uh, in the next season, but we really don't know. Yeah, so we should maybe move on to what we do know is that the when it resumes when the premier league does get back underway on 17th june the first two fixtures are aston villa versus sheffield and man city versus arsenal and man city versus arsenal is kind of master versus apprentice isn't it now now that arteta is yes. arsenal and it almost seems like arsenal it almost seems like arsenal are getting back to and getting their basics right and getting back to what they were. But the thing with Arsenal, it, Arsenal is it always seems that way whenever there's <laughs> change, right? When Unai Emery came in, everyone thought, you know what, this will be the guy who will take us back to our glory days yeah. or whatever. And now it's Arteta. And I think Arteta's ways of doing things is really, really good, especially since he's learned under Pep, and who's a tactical genius. But I, I don't know. I think it's it'll still take him a lot of time at Arsenal. What do you what are your thoughts on that? I think Arsenal they have big structure problems that yeah. they are trying to fix ever since uh, Wenger left. So I think Unai he suffered a bit with this, and then he made some bad calls. He just made some bad calls. Yeah. And with Arteta, I think he knows the club better. I think he knows the league better. And uh, I've I've interviewed David Luiz during this break, yeah. and he spoke very highly about Arteta. I, I I've read other interviews from from Arsenal players who also uh, spoke really highly about Arteta. But I like like his methodology you know during this break he he used to facetime the players uh in uh, individually not like a, a zoom chat like yeah. everybody trying to speak and nobody really listening but he would uh facetime the players and ask them to analyze uh matches that they played this season so he wants everyone to feel a part of this process of fixing arsenal you know, and I think that's very important because it really changes the environment at Arsenal and right. it creates kind of a proactive thing. And mm -hmm. I think lack of leadership is one of the one of Arsenal's problems, yeah. honestly, because uh, they, they lost uh, their their leaders and their references. And and I think it's important for them to to get the morale in the locker room right. uh, and 
besides that, I, I really it's 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 really funny to to watch Arteta on pitch side because he's like a mini Pep. It's really funny. Yeah. They, they, they act exactly the same. They have the same reactions. It's really funny. Uh, but he's he's already very respected. And what I heard uh, from Man City players is that he was very popular. The players really liked him, and they didn't like him just because he's a very nice guy. Because he's a very nice guy, but because he's very knowledgeable and he's He's yeah. very dedicated. And I think if you show this to the players and if you create a good environment, you can you can create su success. So so I, I believe Arteta can can do things for next season. Okay, I think yeah. we have to be patient. But uh, I know everybody's really excited about him, but we have to be patient with him. And I think he he can create something something really good at Arsenal. I think he but I mean, he was also very tactically influential at Man City. Not Absolutely. as you said, he's not just a nice guy. The players got along. He created a good environment. But I think he was very influential in their game plan, their philosophy. I wouldn't go as far as to say he is as influential as Pep, but he was really involved. He wasn't just his right hand man. He was heavily involved. Yes, he was heavily involved, especially on the daily basis. He used to talk to the players a lot uh, in terms of giving instructions, uh, explaining what they had to do. And on the training pitch, uh, he, he, he used to, to be in front of some training sessions. You know, he used to be like the, the main guy saying that players should do this or that or pointing out things that weren't working so he he was very influential in in man city yeah. and it's really cool to know that pep gave this freedom to arteta right because when you think about these big shot managers you think yeah. that they would like centralize everything and yeah. no he really developed arteta and and he's very knowledgeable everybody says so and even when he was a player i've heard uh, ex players talking about him and saying that it was from like it was always obvious that he was gonna he was going to become a manager because he was always very analytical and then he worked with Pep so it's it's a perfect match you know yeah I mean Pep is so highly detail oriented right I mean it's unbelievable what that man has achieved in football Absolutely, in such a short yeah. time and people go on about oh he's had so much money at his disposal he's just chosen the big clubs I mean why wouldn't you first of all he started at barcelona b which is which didn't have the budget and he brought them from the lower rungs of the league to i mean getting promotion and then winning the the league there and then he went to barcelona main team and now he's at man uh, then bayern munich and now in man city and he, he is probably the one of the most tactically astute managers or coaches there is in world football definitely but I somehow tend to think that players are mentally exhausted under him after a couple of seasons. And I think that's what's happening at Man City right now. That's what happened at Barcelona in his last season and then at Bayern Munich. And I think, I mean, I don't know how you solve this problem, but he just wants 100% every single minute of every single season. Yeah, I think the... Uh... How you solve this problem? I think the person who has this answer is Alex is Alex Ferguson. <laughs> but but Sir Alex, he had something that uh, maybe Pep uh, will think about using because uh, Ferguson was never afraid of getting rid of players, getting right. rid of the players that he he felt like he they shouldn't be there anymore. So so maybe uh, Pep will will try. 
uh, a big change in terms of, of names of players? Because I know, I know there are a lot of players that are still very close to him and are very uh, identified with his ideas. Uh, and, and they are very important players like Fernandinho, like De Bruyne, Kevin, he's, yeah. he's very close to Pep. Uh, yes, absolutely. So, so Pep was very clever uh, in his dealing with the players because he knows how demanding and how exhausting he can be. He spoke about that already a few times, and he created kind of a a circle of players uh, that he really trusts. And mm -hmm. these players, uh, they are uh, the people who 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 take to the uh, to, to the locker room to to the other players what pep wants so yeah. i think that that helped pep uh along his his history in manchester city i i i understand what you mean because we've seen that happen that that happening a few times uh in barcelona he says that like in the last year the players just are they, they were really sick of him yeah. and It's it's gonna be curious to see him in his largest spell at a football club because oh, yeah. yeah now in Man City uh, yeah I don't know and, and but this season uh, when the Premier League resumes I think we we will have uh, a bit of experimenting from him because in the Premier League I mean yeah. because he. he He's not playing for much in the Premier League anymore. Like he's he's going to qualify for next Champions League if uh, if Kaz allow it. Yeah, if the suspension <laughs> doesn't stay. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, but I think he can try different things. He did uh, he did this a few times uh, when he was at Bayern Munich. When yeah. Bayern Munich was like uh, he already they won they already won the Bundesliga and uh, yeah and he tried points ahead of everyone. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like typical Bayern Munich. So so he he used to try different things and players out of their positions. So I think we can expect that from 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 Pep yeah. and from this Man City in the rest of the season and of course Champions League because I know they're very strong. Yeah, I mean, which which is so surprising, right? Because this was a team that got 100 points uh, that you know did the unthinkable that were highly offensive they were uh, they were aggressive in their style of play great uh, positional play everything and from last season and then you come to this season and there's a team from liverpool which just surpasses has surpassed everything i mean one defeat and they, which they probably could have done without to get the invincible stag on them but liverpool have achieved as much as I don't like to say it they have achieved <laughs> something that is I mean that is unbelievable right 25 yeah. points clear of Man City who are in second and there's just no stopping them is there it's it's yeah. it really annoys me but <laughs> <laughs> no absolutely but uh, apart from the fact that it really annoys you <laughs> I think we are very privileged Definitely. To see what's happening between Liverpool and Man City, you know, like uh, like a few years ago when we had uh, Man United and Arsenal and Fergie and, and Wenger. Now we have uh, Liverpool and Man City and we have Pep and Klopp. And it's just brilliant. Every clash that we have between Man City and Liverpool is like, 
you don't know what's going to happen if it's going to be extremely dull because it, it happened already uh and if it's or if it's going to be super exciting unbelievable uh john stone saving a ball for like millimeters uh but yeah it's amazing how how this liverpool team has matured under klopp and how how liverpool knew uh to trust klopp because it took him time and he always said it would take him time because what he wanted was very specific and it was different from what everybody else was doing even man city because you were talking about uh high pressuring uh, high pressure game or uh quick movements okay man city does this they they like having the ball they 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 pressure high but I don't know. Liverpool just gave this a twist, made it more interesting, made it more risky, yeah. and it it worked. Uh, it's just brilliant, and it's really cool to see everything that's been happening. And the, the scouting process for me is is it's is impressive. Yeah, it's unbelievable how much they've done with the amount of money that that they spent. Even if yeah. they did spend a, a lot of money. Uh, with Van Dijk and with Alisson, nobody questions that. But it was a very bold move. I think I, I remember Klopp was very criticized when they signed uh, Van Dijk. Now, when they signed Van Dijk, because Van Dijk was came first, and everybody was like, "Really, you're gonna pay all this money for a defender? You didn't have any other defender in the world that you think <laughs> you you, you could have." you know signed for yeah. for less money they but, have the answer now <laughs> yes yes and uh but with Allison, at least yeah. it was a position that everybody was very much looking forward to a new name right. and with the defender it, it wasn't like that so right. so he was very courageous in some moves that he did and he developed players like oh it's impressive how much they do both of them klopp and pep how much they they do with their players and how they develop them and and the players really like him it's funny to hear uh, liverpool players talking about jurgen because yeah. their first reaction is always something like oh he's very demanding <laughs> and 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 then it's like oh he's very demanding no but he's a cool guy he knows how to speak to us as well but uh, I, I remember once i interviewed jürgen and, and i told him that i was mm. like every i know it's important for you to have a good atmosphere but every time i ask uh, the players about you the, the first thing that that they say is he's very demanding and then he left like the cloth <laughs> left and he and he said yes i know i can be the loudest guy in the room if people are not paying attention so <laughs> He's very, he's very professional and he's very committed to, to what he wants from the team. And he makes everyone embrace this idea. That's the most impressive thing for me because it's not, uh, it's not, it's not easy to, to handle so many people at once, you know, so many egos, so many different opinions, so many different stories and opinions, you know, it's just, and, and he, he does this really well. And, and players really embrace what he's doing. It's a bit different from Pep because Pep succeeded absolutely uh, everywhere he went. Yeah. So when he comes to a club, a uh, player is going to look at him and say, okay, I better, li I better listen to him. Yes, Even yes. if I don't like him, yeah. I better listen to him. And with Jürgen, he did have some success, of course. Uh, but it it wasn't at the same level yeah. when he arrived at Liverpool, you know. And, and even so, he made everyone buy his project and, and his ideas. And it's amazing to watch, really. 
Yeah, they are brilliant to watch. I mean, yeah. it has to be admitted. <laughs> it's football. fun. It's fun, Shar. <laughs> it is fun. <laughs> it, is, it is fun to watch Liverpool play. No doubt about that. But so this brings me to another question that I had about Pep about mental exhaustion, and I think both both Jurgen and Pep have a similar problem that after a couple of seasons or maybe three seasons at a club, their players are exhausted with. With Guardiola, I think it's more mental exhaustion with the constant mm-hmm. demands of positional play and where you have to be and what you have to do with every move. Mm-hmm. And I think with with Klopp, it's more about just a physical exertion. Because mm-hmm. at Dortmund, I remember he he did the unthinkable and took Dortmund to two titles. And then a couple of seasons later, he his team were so exhausted with the kind of football that they play that they play, played that they kind of just faded away. And I think when he left, they were around seventh or something in the Bundesliga. So it's so what what happens next with Liverpool? Because they've won the Champions League, they'll win the league this season, yeah. and it's very important to keep your players still wanting more. Mm-hmm. And and what happens when they kind of get tired of the way you play or want to change? How do you? Mm-hmm. I mean, what happens then? Yeah, the, I think that's the big question. Well, first. I think if you don't have players who are committed, as committed as you'd like them to be, you get rid of the players. That's just how things work. I, it sounds a bit cold-hearted, but that's just how things work. So I think uh, some players need to go if they're not embracing the project anymore. And I think it's only natural. It's football. Uh, but apart from that, uh, I think it's it's what makes... Uh, big managers so 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 good in what they do you know to yeah. keep them motivated uh like like what pep did a couple of seasons ago when man city won the league like yeah. 100 uh, fixtures before the end and they then they and he kept the the everyone just really motivated with the records and yeah. uh and then with liverpool i think they need to find this this aspects to to try to keep the motivation up and and that's and, and find the right players to do that because it's it's more of the profile of the player you want competitive players you want players that are ambitious uh, and not all players are like that so mm-hmm. and that's like the the scouting uh goes into this part as well because yeah. you need players uh, that have this profile and know how to, and they, that know how to deal with um, high-profile managers like Pep or like Jurgen or that are as demanding as they are. Yeah. We've seen something similar happen happening to to Pochettino as well. Yeah, at Spurs, uh, which I felt very sorry about, <laughs> but uh, because I really like Mauricio, he's he's, he's a great a, manager. He's a Coach. He's brilliant. He's just brilliant, and everything that he did uh, at Spurs. But uh, well, above it all, it's like you're dealing with human beings. So basically, you need to ha- you need to find ways to 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 cope with that and to 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 convince these guys that uh, new season's coming and yeah, this is important and. Yeah, but above it all, I think you have to to get your scouting right and get yeah. the players with the right profile. Otherwise, you're gonna have to you're gonna have a bunch of uh, players complaining in the dressing room and trying to sack you. So, 
Wow, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit sad. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so yeah, that's it because uh, players they get tired of it. So if if they they don't listen to the manager anymore, the manager's out of the door. Or if they don't listen to the manager anymore, they are out of the door. Yeah. So okay. it comes to a point. That's why you need these players. And I think Liverpool has a lot of these players. You know, players that are always competitive and motivated, like Van Dyke, like Allison, James Milner, uh, key players that that they they keep this spirit alive. And I think that's very important. In, in City, uh, De Bruyne for for sure, and Fernandinho as well. So I think I think it's important to have this yeah. this type of profile. So that's Liverpool's brilliant season, and because Liverpool have had such a long wait for a title, it's 20 years now, more than 20 years actually. This is 30 years now, and. A lot of other teams have kind of gone on under the radar because of Liverpool's great season and Liverpool's success and because yeah. they're so far away. So, for example, Sheffield. Yes, you, I was going to say, are we going to speak about Sheffield United? <laughs> it's really, it's what amazing they, what you're doing, right? It's extraordinary what Wilder has done there. It's, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're within, they're five points off the top four with a game in hand. Mm-hmm. So they have had a brilliant season. I'm just kind of worried that this two-month block of games all every three days could kind of affect them and make it look like they haven't had a great season once the season is done. Yeah, I'm afraid of that too. You know, because uh, Sheffield United, they have uh, one... One characteristic that's very important for them is the physicality. They yeah. have a very high... Uh, they, they have a very specific training, uh, a way of training, and they are very concerned about uh, the physical aspects. When you talk to the players, they say they always say that how how concerned everybody at Sheffield United is with keeping them fit and keeping them strong. And you see that uh, when you when you watch Sheffield United play. So that's one concern. And yeah, they were in a good rhythm. They had a good pace in the Premier League. You know, I don't know how how this pause will affect them. But Chris Wilder is just brilliant. He's just he's one of the best stories in, in this Premier League season. Because everything that's been everything that he went through with uh, Sheffield United and his relationship with the club, uh, mm-hmm. he recently lost his dad. Uh, so so it's just it's really it's really cool everything that's been happening with Sheffield United and everything that they conquered. It's uh, I've covered a few matches uh, from Sheffield United, and it's not the most exciting teams to to watch. But <laughs> in the sa- at the same time, it's kind of exciting because uh, because of the they, story. They yes, not not just for the story, but it's they show so much uh, will yeah. when they are playing. You know, they are so committed at the at the on the pitch. So it's cool to watch, and it's it's a great story. I always like the underdog stories. Everybody loves an underdog, right? So, <laughs> so not everybody. No, apparently, everyone likes an underdog. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 a great story. I hope they I hope they do really well in these in these matches that that they they have left in this Once season. Once we resume, yeah. Yeah. 
And I mean, everyone expected them to be in the relegation zone, fighting it out for, until the last day, probably, having been promoted. And which is, I mean, it's extraordinary that they're in seventh and that they have a chance of really becoming a, a mainstay in the Premier League if they do it right this season, even though it's difficult. But some of the regulars, for example, Bournemouth, have been, Bournemouth have had such a tough time this season. And if fortunes can change because of a pause, I think Eddie Howe will be hoping that his fortunes turn around at Bournemouth. Because theirs is also a brilliant story that they came up, they're near, they're almost going to become an extinct club and then they came all the way through to the Premier League. And now they've been in, in here for two, two, three years, but now they're really mm-hmm. struggling. And the bottom four, Villa, Norwich, Bournemouth and Watford are... It's going to be a really tough and interesting uh, battle in the relegation. And I think if you don't consider the last couple of seasons, it's one of those where a lot of people will actually be looking for matches in the relegation zone because they they have so much value to them now. Yeah, and I feel really bad about about a few clubs there in the relegation zone, like Bournemouth. Yeah. Every season, every year, it was always like, okay, they're going to pull it off. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Howe is going to come up with something. And now you look at him and he looks exhausted. He just yeah. looks exhausted. You, you don't see uh, Bournemouth pulling up with something and creating an alternative like they always do. Because right. uh, th- there has been other times in previous seasons where Bournemouth was just not not doing so well, but, yeah. but they always seem to manage to... They, they always yeah. managed. Yeah. They always managed to stay in the Premier League. But I don't see that happening this mm. season anymore. And I feel really bad for, for Eddie Howe because he, he's done a brilliant job all these years. And I think he deserves uh, a bigger club. Yeah. Uh, let's see what happens after if if Bournemouth is relegated, if he's not relegated in anyway. And uh, if you look at Aston Villa, I was so excited that Aston Villa was back to the Premier League because they're s- such a traditional club, and and now they're just. It's really hard to understand everything that went south for Aston Villa. Uh, they signed good players. They have a good manager, uh, but it just it, things are just not working for them. It's it's impressive how things are not working for them. If you watch Aston Villa play, uh, you only see Jack Grealish trying to do something different, you know, and and the rest of the team they're just lacking everything, you know. Yeah, and I, I really don't understand. Even Norwich, Norwich, yeah. we've seen some very interesting and exciting matches from Norwich this season and they are down at the bottom and they will probably get relegated uh but they're a good story as well and and they 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 came back to the Premier League all full of personality of uh, this is the way we play and this is how we won the championship and and now they are just uh bottom of the league and doesn't seem to have a way out for Norwich I am I really don't know who's going to get relegated. Uh, Norwich, but the other two teams, I don't know. It's really hard to... Because we've, we've seen... Yes, we've seen this change so many times. There was this period of the season where we were sure that uh, Watford was already relegated. And yeah. then they 
Pearson came in and yes, changed. then Pearson came in and changed much more than I thought he would. Uh, and West Ham, they just been poor, but at yeah. the same time they have the talent because they have good, very good players. Mm-hmm. West Ham shouldn't be there uh, right. yeah. where they are. So in Brighton, they weren't very inspiring in many moments of the season. At the same time, they have a manager who uh, has very clear, a very clear idea of the style of play that he wants yeah. from his team. That's Graham Potter. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to be very interesting. Well, I mean, having a clear idea is one thing. I mean, but executing is has yeah. turned to be completely a different ball game, especially for. Uh, Spurs and Jose Mourinho and oh. I, I mean it's just not happening for them right yeah it, it really isn't and I mean I don't they move to a new stadium it's yeah. world class it beats every other stadium in every respect it's they have the players I think they've struggled with injuries but I think their ability to bottle it in the games that matter is just constant I mean it just never seems to go away it's been so frustrating seeing uh, Spurs under Mourinho. Not that they were very inspiring before that, but at least you knew that the, you understood the ideas because the ideas were always there in the past five years with, with Mauricio. And now with uh, Jose, I, I don't know what he wants. I, I, I don't know which ideas he's trying to, to implement to implement in the team. I really... It's just being frustrating. And when you, and for me as a journalist, it's very frustrating to, to hear his interviews because I know everybody says that he's more friendly now and he's uh, this and that. I don't care about this. You know, I just want uh, from a high profile manager such as Jose Mourinho, I just want to hear him speaking about football, bringing solutions, bringing new ideas. He said he changed. He said uh, he had time to to think about football and things that he, he would bring to the club and he would bring to his next work. And I don't see that. I absolutely, I don't see that. I don't see anything inspiring coming from, from Spurs. And he's just whining about his, his players getting injured. You know, I don't like that. Just come up with solutions. I know it's hard. You, 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 you don't have your main players. You don't have Hurricane. You don't have Son. You don't have Sissoko. Everybody knows that. Mm-hmm. But we want to know what are his intentions. You know, it's just not, sur- oh, we, we just need to survive and wait until these three players go back. No, uh, I, I don't know what his plans are for, for Spurs, for the way they play or their ambitions or anything for that matter. So it's been very frustrating to, to watch Spurs under Mourinho. Yeah, it kind of has. And it kind of has been frustrating to watch Man United play <laughs> and fight it out for the fourth spot to get into the Champions League. It has been now for a few seasons and it, it, it is bothersome. But ah, but now they're doing better. They're doing yeah, better, but yeah. I, but I still don't know if it's oh, it still kind of seems like a, a small like a <laughs> stopgap kind of situation, right? Because no one knows what uh, for how long Ole is going to be there. No one knows if he's going to be given what he wants in terms of players. So he at least got what he wanted uh, in the last transfer window, and he got some of the players that he wanted there. And I. I mean, he seems to get things done in the big games against the big clubs, almost always. 
and then seems to lose points at clubs where he isn't and where Man United aren't supposed to lose points, which is something that baffles me. I mean, I can understand a few times, but it always seems to happen that he gets everything right in the, against the big six, but he just messes it up against the bottom teams. Yeah, I know, but I think this this is starting to change a bit. I, I think people, they don't, they're too critical with Ole. I understand uh, sometimes why, but I think he uh, he has done some very positive things uh, for United this season. Like all the signings uh, were good. He, yeah. there, there were good signings. Bruno Fernandes was, he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. And um, I think you can see more clearly now the way that Ole wants the team to play. Uh, it took him a while and I think it's only natural because he's not an experienced manager. I think if you have the experience, you know how to how to uh, make things work faster. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's just he, they wanted a manager, and, and I think this this uncertainty about his future comes much more from outside than from the inside because. At Man United, you always hear uh, how the owners like him and how everybody is trusting him uh, in the medium and long term. Um, but the media is really hard on him. So, but I think he, I don't see Ole leaving. Yeah. I think he's going to stay for for the next season, and I think he is developing his 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 style and his ideas. It's slower than people wanted for sure especially the fans but i can see uh the value in his in his work the the, the problem is it's man united you know the expectations yeah. are always so high there uh but if you sign a manager uh that's not uh, too experienced you have to give him time you always have to give uh the manager some time uh if you look at pep's first season it's a big example yeah. but uh but I think in his case, especially, you have to give him time. And I think we can be more demanding with him next season, for example, because uh, he has the players. He has good players now. Uh, if Pogba stays good, if Pogba doesn't stay, it's OK <laughs> as well. I think Man United showed already that they can they can cope without Paul Function Pogba. Function without him, yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, and now... I think ne from next season, we can be more demanding, uh, expecting okay. titles from Man United. I know it's Man United. We're always expecting titles, blah, blah, blah. But <laughs> I think we have to give uh, Ole a bit of credit that he, he doesn't get. Right. And what do you make of Lampard? Because I think Chelsea have, this transfer ban that they had has done wonders for them, right? Because... Mm -hmm. No one would have expected Chelsea to ever be the club who gives their youth a chance, who brings uh, young players in and gives them minutes and gives them starts. But Frank Lampard, with the help of this transfer ban, and I think with Roman Abramovich kind of taking a step back from his role, has found something that might just work for them from here on out. Because I think he, put, he knows the club so well. He potentially has uh, the... In him, the I mean, he, he potentially has what it takes to become a great Chelsea manager after, be yeah. after being a great Chelsea player. I think so, absolutely. And Chelsea, they have this reputation of not giving uh, managers enough time. And mm. with, with Frank, it's going to be different because he's Frank Lampard. 
we've always known that that it was going to be different because he's such a legend at the club and uh, they would have to give him time because the the fans would back him and he knows how Chelsea works it's different from Antonio Conte for example because the fans were with him they were very supportive uh, with Conte but uh, he had relationship issues with the players with the directors board with everyone basically and Frank knows how to you know, get around the club, so that wouldn't be a problem. And we would just have to wait and see if he is a, or, or isn't a good manager. And he's showing to, to be a very good manager. Um, he, ever since day one, we understood what Frank wanted from his team. And mm. as much as uh, he was criticized at first for using so many young players, it proved mm. to be the right choice because... Uh, first, the fans were expecting this. We always heard from Chelsea fans that they they never gave chance to to younger to younger players, and now they were forced to to do this. And Frank, uh, not only he he did this because uh, he was forced to, but he he believed in that, and that's part of you know knowing the club so well and knowing uh, what the fans would like and what they would appreciate. Like, if you went to Stamford Bridge, you would know that uh, the fans, they always liked Tammy Abraham. They were always very supportive with him every time yeah. he had a few minutes. So he had a high approval rate and, and that yeah. showed to be a good bet uh, from, from Lampard. I remember the first match at Man United, he was heavily criticized because he, he started with uh, Tammy Abraham at first match of the yeah. season with Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount and Tomori, I think. Yeah. Uh, and and he 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 had to show a lot of personality to not only to to start with the younger players, but to to insist with them, to give them yeah. time, and to to really show that this is the style of play that they want. Uh, they want offensive football. Yeah. They want to play with the ball. And even though they're not signing anyone. Uh, they can play like that, so so it was it was cool to watch Chelsea uh, this season. It, it was unfortunate what happened to them uh, against Bayern Munich uh, in the Champions yeah. League, but then you see uh, the big gap that Chelsea has compared to the big clubs in the European level. But it's only oh. natural because it's Frank's first his first uh, season, and he didn't have many signings, uh, so yeah. yeah. Which they're now trying to remedy. I mean, with Ziyech coming on, mm-hmm. coming in at Chelsea. And I think he's trying to build a team that would suit the way he wants to play. Which is... And I'm I'm actually kind of glad that Chelsea are now allowing a manager to do that. Because it's so important for him to build a team that he trusts and he knows how they'll play if they want to succeed in the Premier League. Yeah, Absolutely. But I'm very curious to know how this transfer window will go. Because with everything that's happening in football yeah. and in terms of finances, I don't know how, how clubs will act. I don't know if they're going to for uh, big signings because the big signings are going to be cheaper. But yeah. in the same, like, you will have players who want to move. Uh, I don't know how much they will want to move if they... Uh, if they will accept the idea that they are just they they're they're cheaper now they're not uh, as expensive as they they used to be, so I don't know how Me- Chelsea is going to. Uh, we were thinking a, a whole different transfer window be- before everything happened, right? Right, definitely. 
maybe it'll just burst the bubble that these inflated prices have caused in the past few years. I mean, some of the prices are ridiculous, I mean. So maybe it'll now kind of dial it down to realistic market values. Yeah, which is good because we were experiencing something that was just like we we didn't know where this would stop. Like yeah. how, how much money can you spend in a person, you know? <laughs> it's just a football player. Come on. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but it's just it's it's really it's a lot of money. It was surreal. And yeah. it, it was it got to the point where just the the market was were establishing all the prices, all this inflation, and there was yeah. nothing to do about it. So, yeah, at, at least this this can be good for the market to balance things a little bit. Yeah, and I think whatever happens in the market and whatever happens, because this season is almost all the positions are almost kind of locked in, apart from the relegation positions. The ones that the the lo- bottom four clubs are probably the ones to look for in the next couple of months seeing as to how they would be affected by relegation but i think pretty much everyone else is kind of set in where they'll end up like the positions they'll end up in and mm-hmm. i think really it's next season that we'll all be looking forward to because this is such a this is such an unexpected uh, turn of events the pandemic and everything the bringing the world to a standstill and football was least of anyone's worries for the last few months and now it's finally yeah. resuming and we can see how it goes but i think everyone will now quickly move on to what i mean after liverpool fans celebrate for like two weeks <laughs> <laughs> after that i think everyone will just want to see what happens next season and where we go from there yeah absolutely especially well for me especially with the rivalry between liverpool and man city because yeah. I was expecting a much more balanced season this one yeah. that we're having and I'm I'm positive that Pep won't let this happen again and and uh, and we don't know what's going to happen with City and UEFA if they're playing the Champions League if they're not playing the Champions League is a complete different scenario so so yeah it's going to be exciting to see and other other teams who developed really well like Leicester and Wolves you know, yeah. so how how high they can keep this level for Wolves is the second season in a row. Uh, Leicester, they have a brilliant manager and very good players and they're a very good team to watch, but they, they drop their form in the second half of the season. So maybe a little bit of experience will do them good for for the next season. Yeah, uh, yeah we have plenty to look to look forward to. Look forward to, definitely. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, what we are looking forward to for the next season. And uh, thanks for having this chat. I mean, it's been a great conversation. And I hope you can come back sometimes for the podcast and have another one of these chats. Absolutely, Sharv. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. And we, we just recorded uh, an hour of many conversations we had <laughs> in our lives. So it, yeah. was, was a, it was a true pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks a lot, Natalie. Thank you, Sharf.